1: I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. Again, Happy New Year. I'm squeezing in one last episode before the ball drops. I've got highlights for you from this year's Musicians on Musicians interviews. First up is a discussion I moderated at the first ever Rolling Stone Musicians on Musicians live event between Gucci Mane and John Batiste. Then we'll play you the other interview from that event, which was a sit-down between Lil Yachty and Tierra Whack, moderated by Rolling Stone's supervising producer of news video, Delisa Shannon. And finally, we'll bring you a really fun discussion between Snoop Dogg and Lotto, as moderated by staff writer Andre G. But let's get right into that meeting between Gucci Mane and John Batiste. you do a lot more than jazz but you came from the world of jazz and jazz and hip-hop jazz and trap one thing they have in common is improvisation gucci i think it was around the time of east atlanta six when you realized freestyling in the studio was the best way to create for you and that's become your key way of making songs how does it work how does that art of going in the studio with nothing and coming out with something work for you with me
2: and being in the zone to make a song and just freestyle it it's kind of like I said, that time, East Atlanta Zone 6, that was like when I was 27, 28, 29 years old. Those moments in time, in my youth, youthful days, you know what I'm saying? I had a lot of energy, and it just goes along with that period of time in my life. Even now, I write my routes down, but I do it faster because I'm more deliberate when I make something. But back then, it was just like, whatever I make, quick, just make it, being spontaneous. It was a challenge, and it was fun, and it was like almost trying to make something, then the next day, see what you made from the night before. That was like, they kind of started turning to be a thing, like trying to impress yourself. John, how does it work for you? A
3: lot of times I have an idea, something that happened in life or something that somebody I met. I feel like since we've been talking, I got a of ideas already, <laughs> but just you get ideas and then you try to make them real. And then you go into the studio and I use whatever I can, whether it's the piano, drum machine, my voice, the guitar, anything that will make the vision come to life. And I also bring in people who I think will bring that vision to life. I'm always thinking like I'm making a movie, and then sometimes you have to cast the movie. They got to find the right person to play this part, right person to play that part, right bass player, drummer. All the sounds come together, because I, I don't really like to think about it as a genre. I just like to think about it as like a vision. And then when the vision hit, you know it hit. You know it.
1: John, you also studied classical music. Was it clear to you early on that you wanted to be in something freer and more improvisational? Or was there a moment when you realized that was the world you wanted to be in?
3: I grew up all of the, the musicians in my family, self-taught, street musicians, a lot of people who played music just for fun. And I went to school. I was the first person to go to college in my family for music. So I, kinda, I, I felt like a fish out of water in that environment. But I stole a lot of stuff from it and put it with what I already had. And then that's when I started to build my own approach. I don't like to, to to think about it. It has to be intuitive. But I do learn from classical and learn from all the things that I've studied.
1: Gucci, going back, you did a thing, and maybe you still do it, where you'd be writing so fast that you would rap over beats that weren't really beats, they were maybe just a kick and snare. They would have to, the producers would have to catch up with you later and make the beat around you, which is the opposite of how much, most hip hop is made. Almost all hip hop is made. Going against that grain, I think made a lot of your songs more distinct, gave you your own style. And John, like you said, you were, you've always been had a fish out of water approach going back to you were at Juilliard with a melodica to the point where they were like, this guy needs a therapist or something. Why is he playing a melodica? Why is he bringing this into our Howard halls of, of Juilliard? And then you, obviously you've gone so far from jazz. So what are the sort of artistic virtues of going against the grain and doing it in a way that no one else does? Man,
3: I think it's, I don't think about it as going against the grain. I just think about it as doing me and expressing what I really believe in. And if I really believe in it, then I'll feel it. And then if I feel it, I feel like other people will feel it. That's really, I'm not thinking about, let me break a rule. I just feel like it's inspiration.
2: I think with me, I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't a musician. And I came up under a producer, Zaytova, and that was my partner. And he was, he played music in the church. And I had another friend who played in the band, the martial band that made beats. And I always felt like they were so talented and I wished that I could learn how to make a beat, but I didn't know how to make a beat, right? So by the time I said I was gonna be a rapper, this really was more of a challenge, you know what I'm saying? And even with the freestyle, it was just like shooting in the gym. I was getting my reps up, shooting thousand shots a day, trying to really practice to be a better rapper. You know what I'm saying? And I knew that's what I was doing, but at the same time, I was building up the confidence to say, hey, as I'm learning, to be better, I'm gonna put the music out and let the people judge me. Cause most entertainers are like scared to be judged. They'll hold it so close to their chest. With me, I had this free spirit, I'm going to rap. Some people will critique it and say it's not good or I sound this way or that way. But I just build
1: on that and take it, you know what I'm saying? And keep going. I wanted to ask both of you about a specific song. For for Gucci, I wanna go back for a minute. Uh can you tell us how you made lemonade?
2: It's a it's a real interesting story with lemonade, right? My old manager, Coach K at the time, right? We in Vegas and I used to record in Vegas at this at this casino called The Palms. And just so happened when I was at the studio, he used to also manage to do some business with the producer Bangladesh. And he put us together. I think Bangladesh was already out Come to find out, Bang of is already in Vegas doing something else at it, like an like MMA fight. But we met at the casino. He had an MMA fight. I'm there at the Palm's recording. We go in. He don't even know why. He playing beats or whatever. I just make the song talking about all yellow stuff. He really didn't understand where it was at. And he, he, he didn't know where I was going with it. But it kind of, you know what I'm saying, grew on him. He took it home and put his kids on it for the hook part of it. Right. And then he brought it back to me. And then I made a second verse to it. So that's how that came about.
1: And John, I had to choose between the song that was nominated today for Record of the Year and the song that was nominated for Song of the Year. I couldn't decide which one, but let's go with Worship, which was Record of the Year nominated today.
3: That song was Worship came about after a conversation. I was working with John Bellion, who's a producer, songwriter, artist himself. And we were talking about how to make some yeah, the intro, how to make something that felt like a spaceship landing and then a robot growing a heart, like a robot becoming human. Wow. And whether it was some supernatural power or whatever it is, transforming the robot to a human. So it's, that was the vision. And we started messing with sounds. And then once we had that intro, it felt like it was time to, to, to have it land somewhere. So like when it land, where did we land? So then the vision was, is landing in the rainforest. It's like a release, a catharsis, a spiritual, it's almost like a, a revival or something. That was how I wanted to start the radio broadcast because the concept album and the album is a radio broadcast and that's effectively the first song. So the spaceship lands and the radio broadcast starts and the robot turns to a human and then we're in
1: the rainforest. It's a good answer. It's a good answer. Solid. I, take that.
2: I like that. So dope.
1: I want to talk about longevity, and career longevity, because you, you you both already got that. And hip hop, as we know, just celebrated its fiftieth birthday. And but what that means is we're only now just starting to have we have our first rappers in their sixties, Chuck D's in the sixties. We have, we have we have rappers in the fifties. We have rappers in in their forties making incredibly relevant stuff. But that's new to hip hop by definition. In in jazz and blues, we're used to seeing 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds on stage. That's nothing. So I'm just curious how each of you see this in the decades to come. Is music a lifelong thing, or is there a point at which you're, like, you're going to transition into something else?
2: I personally feel like we're living in the future, and a lot of people are just not aware of it. You know what I'm saying? And I, and the reason I say that because about the longevity thing is because I come from the past. I come from physical copies of CDs back in when giving out mixtapes yeah. hand to hand. So artists don't even understand that you don't even have to make a physical copy. You can basically just record your ideas and put them out there and make endless amount of tapes that you want. You know what I'm saying? I have been on that kind of like wait, as soon as they start making we can download stuff and I didn't have to be physical. I started flooding the streets with tapes. So with the longevity thing I I feel it's a race. You know what I'm saying? And it's mm-hmm. like it's not a race. It's a marathon. So you got to patiently keep putting out music and work this shit like a nine to five. And if you do that, then I feel like you'll have success.
1: Do you want to be making albums when you're 70 years old? Would that be cool?
2: hundred percent. hundred percent because that's what the game evolved to.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like, got Jay-Z and, Jay-Z
2: and his this, and Snoop and E-40 and Nas. You know what I'm saying? All these artists are not only just making music they making money you know what i'm saying so they give you the, they're giving the, they giving you the blueprint for artists in their 40s and their 30s or what could be you know what i'm saying and that's how the game is you keep pushing the envelope and then you just keep pushing it
1: and john i think i know the answer i think that you you're going to be doing this to your, to your 90 if you can yeah it's too much to figure out too
3: much to explore i don't know as much as i, I would like to know about my own potential so that's what keeps driving wow.
4: me I like that
1: I was thinking that both in your own ways, and it's true of everyone in their own ways, everyone has hard times. You both had hard times, personal hard times in your life, but you both kept creating through them. And sometimes some people create best in in the face of strife. Some people don't. It's it's an interesting thing. How, how do you see that? How do you balance that thing when shit is hard in your life and it's time to make some music?
5: I
2: think once I put it on my mind that I was going to leave the streets and start being a rapper, good days bad days every year i'm putting out music you know what i'm saying i'm going to be productive i'm going to be prolific but some of my best music has came out and some of most of my some of my most acclaimed albums was like 05 06 and i was going through a real challenging parts of my life 012 013 but still i was putting out music and then some of that music was expressing what i was going through and that was hit records but do I want to go through those times to make those, to please my fans? Hell no.
1: You'll choose the happy life if, if you have the choice, yeah.
2: Yeah, I take that. I take right.
1: it. Right. Right I, 100%. I echo
3: everything Gucci just said, for real. I, I, I think hard times, it inspires you to make something that you wouldn't make if you wasn't under the pressure of that. But I also think you could make some great stuff and be super happy in your life. And and I think that's a myth that I I don't really, I don't buy into it. I I think we got to stop that myth of the tortured artists having to be so under it. (laughs) I
1: agree with you. John, needless to say, the Grammys love you. It's no secret that Grammys and award ceremonies are are slow to recognize a genre like trap, slow to catch up with hip-hop. But how important is that institutional recognition? The, the, The biggest lesson of recognition is when your peers respect what
3: you do and it feels like you add into the culture and you add into your time, your era, whatever period of time you're in. And ultimately it's another way for the work to be recognized and for it to move people's lives and to affect people's lives. I think it's a great thing because it just elevates. If what you're doing is from a pure place, it just elevates it. And it allows for it to do what it do. And I believe in that. I, I think awards, making music for awards is not something that I ever did. or I wouldn't recommend doing that, whether
1: you have them or not. You've both done some acting, Gucci Spring Breakers. I don't even know what to say. What are music and acting, what skills transfer back and forth? And what do you learn from one to the other that, that might be helpful? you still using your
2: words and your voice. So you still remember your script and... Staying in character and still being punctual, being on time. There's a lot of people involved. It's a teamwork thing to make it happen. It's got a lot of things just like being in the studio.
1: Is it really true that during a certain scene in Spring Breakers, you were falling asleep and had to be woken up?
2: I was full of that (laughs) lane.
1: I agree, it's discipline. Just
3: showing up, doing doing your thing and also being yourself. Finally find your own voice in it. Because there's a script and once you learn that, once you learn how to hit the lights right and the marks and just get, a, get comfortable, then that's when you could discover some stuff. That's my favorite part. Once you get past that initial learning and the discipline of, of being there and working on it, then you start discovering stuff. And that's like music.
1: I think you said with Spike Lee, you, you, were, you were struck by his, his discipline and his precision.
3: Oh, man. Oof. That was Spike is like a it's like military drill sergeant. He gets the most out of that crew. And the actors, it was my first experience being on the set with Spike. This is back, I was maybe just even thinking about doing something like that because I've done some stuff with Treme on HBO that the David Simon show, but that was, doing a movie is different. You got to wait a lot and then you got to be on when it's time to hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be, and with Spike, you don't want to not be ready. <laughs> so that was interesting and great for
1: my first it was like a trial by fire. Trying you have obviously you have deep new orleans roots and gucci you were raised in alabama before he moved to atlanta there's so many great american musicians from the south what is it musically about the south
2: it's the to me it's the it's the parents it's your grandparents it's your aunts and uncles and it's just passed down it's what they listen to you know what i'm saying it's All the musicians, it's the church, you know what I'm saying? It's all that.
3: Yeah, wow. I love how you say it's the parents, grandparents, aunts. aunts. It's something about that. It's just life. That's what's coming through the music. The way we live in the South is very different, especially now that we've traveled different places, and nothing is like going back. Nothing feels like that. So I think we channel feelings. We channel all that. And then if you do that, imagine for generations and generations and the lineages, it just builds on itself. By the time you get to us, it's its almost like a its own institution. You don't got to go to music school to,
1: to get that. You just live that and you got something to sing about. Gucci, in your book, you said that, at least I think in your 20s, when you'd go back to Alabama, it would drive you crazy. It was, it was way too slow in country for you. And, and now, at this point, are you able to go back and and relive a little bit of your childhood and appreciate it, or is it still too slow in country for you?
2: That's a great question. And to give you a sincere, honest answer, I have mixed feelings when I go back to my hometown of Bessemer, Alabama, because there's not a lot of opportunity there. You know what I'm saying? And I don't even want to say things too harshly about it because both sides of my family is there. And I just, I'm one of them people, if I see, don't see opportunity, maybe I get that from my mom, that I, I'll leave the town. You know what I'm saying? If there ain't no jobs here, then I just go uproot and move somewhere else. I got this kind of like nomadic approach to life. So, though I say I don't want to disrespect my family because I love them and that's my always be my home. But to me, I, I'm, I'm a 49, I'm going with a goal. At.
1: To stick with the childhood thing, you both in your ways had really early exposure to music. John, obviously you're from a musical dynasty, so it was just was around you, I can't even imagine. And Gucci, you, you went to concerts as early as six years old. Yeah. You talked about it, you saw I think LL and the Beastie Boys and uh, Run DMC as six years old, and you went to a bunch of shows, and so that was really early exposure. I wonder if you could talk about both of you about that sort of early musical exposure, who your earliest music heroes were. It's
2: it's easy for me because I had an older brother. My musical influence was always whatever he thought was cool yeah. early on, you know what I'm saying? In Alabama, it was LL Cool J and Dougie Fresh and Schlit Rick, you know what I'm saying? Cool modi and salt and pepper, you know what I'm saying? But as we moved to Atlanta and grew up, it started being 8-Ball and MJG, the Hard mm-hmm. Boys, Ghetto Mafia, you know what I'm saying? Kilo Ali, like a lot of just whatever was at the times, you know what I'm saying? And I always wanted to be that kid in school who knew about stuff before the other kids did. So it's, oh, y'all listen to that. Y'all listen to MC Hammer. I'm listening to Scarface, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or like the Ghetto Boys, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to always be like, I know, there's always when people trade cards or whatever. That's how I used to feel like when I used to be able to get my brother cassette tapes and know about them. I can go over talk to other kids who had older brothers. It's like we had something we knew about. So it's always been this thing about rap is cool, you know what right. I'm
3: saying? Yeah, I've listened to it. As, as far as rap music in New Orleans, there was the real movement of Master P. And the hot boys, eventually by the year 2000, Juvie, Manny, Wayne, and that was just ubiquitous. That sound was like basketball games, out of car windows, cookouts, in any dance you, you ever go to. And so that would be happening. And as I said, I grew up between Seventeen Water, New Orleans, and Holly Grove, and also in Kenna, Louisiana, which is like kind of provincial, suburb country. It's like a very, it's almost rural. When I was there, I was playing video games and the music from the video games was actually some of my early influences. Apart from my family, my dad, Alvin Baptiste, Ellis Marcellus family, the Neville's, Henry Butler, like all the musicians, I heard that, but I started playing music very late actually. I didn't start playing the piano till I was about 12, 12 or 13 years old. So before that, I was just a kid listening to what was on the radio, listening to video games, I realized I had a good ear because I would remember the themes from the game and I'll be able to play them on the piano, just dabbling, not like really. But I would hear it and I'd be like, oh, I could change this note and change that note. Then that started to become composing music. And so the combination of the video games, avant-garde jazz musicians and New Orleans funk musicians and the Hot Boys and Master P
1: and Mystical that was my early influences. Yeah, I remember hearing when you went to Tokyo for the first time, you were like, this is where the video game music comes from.
3: Man, oh, man. <laughs> Woo! bro, Japan, crazy. I loved it. I loved it so much because it was, I, that's where all those, that for me, that's very nostalgic. That's the music that I grew up with in a way. I, I, I wrote letters to them composers. Yoko Shimemura, Nobu Uematsu, all them people that, wrote those themes, I went to meet
1: them. Thanks again to Gucci Mane and John Baptiste. And here's Lil Yachty with Tierra Whack, which again was moderated by Rolling Stone's supervising producer of News Video, Delisa Shannon.
0: So I want to know about maybe a piece of art that transformed the way that you view your creative lens.
4: For me, it's, it's, it's Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon. That was the first time I heard that album. It altered my perspective on music in its entirety and just the way that that as creators, I just felt like after hearing that album, it it sunk into my brain that we are. We have been so limited with our content um, compared to the things that we are able to do. I don't don't like, I feel like in hip hop, but just in, in music in general, I feel like we just do what the recipe is you know what i'm saying but i mean there is endless ways to to form a sonic wave right uh, now hearing that album and just doing deep research on it and then realizing that when there was no autotune or no pro tools or no fruity loops this is all hardware you know what i'm saying like these niggas is old i realized that through the years of while we got all this great amazing advanced technology i feel like my personal opinion is that it handicapped us as creators and it made us very limited because we got all these artificial intelligence and i'm i'm victim to it too but back then you had to just all you had was your brain and your skills you know what i'm saying i got really obsessed with watching old artists live performance videos like i just think about man them niggas had No in ears. I could never do that with no in, and they was on key, in tune, in arenas. I'm talking about it's it's all kind of reverb and like just that's real talent. You know what I'm saying? And they
6: rehearsed like all the time. And the speakers,
4: the technology was nothing like what we have in today's time. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just raw talent. You know what I'm saying? And they obviously, I'm sure the effort put towards the craft is times more. I'm getting off topic.
6: No, I'm following you. I'm thinking about Busta Rhymes' Gimme Some Mo'. That that video, crazy. It makes you feel like it's slow-mo, but fast-paced at the same time, and it just puts you in a trance, and you talked about, you spoke on uh performances. Like, I used to watch all of Busta's live performances because that's the reason I get so animated. I get so crazy, because people feel that, but you just gotta be over the top and just turn it up, so definitely I gotta give all a lot of credit to how I perform to Busta Rhymes,
0: so yeah. Are there any artists that you can think of right now when we're thinking about their whole career that you think of when you think about true creative evolution?
4: Tyler. But I don't want to be Tyler. I just I pull a lot of inspiration from his, like his, just how he hones in and like he caters. And when he once, like when he starts his era, he's in that era till it ends. And, I and he takes started.
6: us through each yeah, era. Like absolutely. I feel like whatever he's on, I'm on it. From like start to finish. we're growing with him. Yeah. And we slowly, we just grow with him. And we accept all of, we just accept him as a human, but he's an artist too. And uh, yeah, I think Tyler is the, that's the perfect answer.
0: Mm-hmm. That kind of leads me into TD, which is one of my favorite songs off Lobo 3. Yeah. And I want us to just hear the instrumental, just in case you didn't know, because the sample already is crazy thank you one of the hardest beats ever yo i listened to this
6: beat like 30 times before i even said anything i was like oh my god i gotta kill this shit oh my god
4: yeah she fucking bodied us on that track crazy (laughs) yeah i wanted it to that's why i put her on it
6: no i literally i still have the text message the text messages of him saying please kill all of us and i was like okay
4: absolutely i because i've always been like one of her biggest fans and I just day like, one, he. I got to give,
6: no, really, guys, it's a lot of, I have a lot of rapper friends, but this is like my real friend. He's been there since day one. When people weren't sure about me, yo, she's weird. I'm not like, he was the one. He was posting me, showing me love, reaching out, checking on me, like the most genuine artist that I know. And I'm so happy that, I'm so happy that people are finally seeing what I saw in you also. That's you are a mega star. You're everything. I appreciate and, it. Yeah, I'm just so proud and, That's real. yeah. Just.
4: Like I was saying, I just know she's, so I was like, please. Because the record was technically done, but mm, I was like, come kill us all. And she did just that. You know what I'm saying? It was fantastic. I loved it.
0: So
6: he sent a beat that we all were able to get on and do our thing. Because people will send, artists will send songs around us. I hear you on this, but it's, it just, it won't make sense. It doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. I feel like all of us really did. Hold our own on it. It's so open, like you can do any kind of flow. It's just yeah, you really have an ear too. He has an ear. Two ears. But y'all
4: yeah. got two ears in the bitch.
6: <laughs> two good ears. Really good ears.
0: I think you talked about competition and I think with J. Cole specifically about certain tracks or being an artist who's featured, maybe it's to be a compliment.
4: You're talking about on um, Take a Recipe?
0: yes yeah yeah but I'm thinking more about competition with yourself because I think that's something that really points to where you two are right now where it's who was I who am I and how can I go harder do you think is that an active thing that you factor into approaching creative projects trying to best yourself or does it just happen and you look back like damn I did that
4: I just want respect and I still for so long I feel like yet to get it and the older I get the more important it is to me because music is my life. Yeah. So like, I think all I care about is, this is what I care about most in my life. And I feel is that a lot of people May have not taken me serious for different reasons. Maybe, maybe because of the era I came in, or maybe because I had red hair and was a kid, or hey,
6: I don't I'm talking
4: about at the time, like 2016. Like, these <laughs> red hair is so old news. Nah, nah, I completely forgot you got red hair, <laughs> bringing it back. But I don't know what it is that I just feel like people always looked at or treated me like a kid, like some like kids' bop rapper or some shit. I don't know, but I really do this shit. You know what I'm saying? I, and even if I don't, I was always the kid that okay, cool. You think this trash? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fix it. I'm gonna go work on it. I'm gonna get better, and I'm gonna come back. What about this? But this one ain't. I right, bet. Hold on. You know what I'm saying? Practice. That Allen Iverson post interview. Nah, I for I, real. Yes. No, for real. Though, I study this shit. I really study music, man. This shit is like everything from interviews to fucking co- concerts to fucking merch. I I, I study this shit. But just, just to be fairly honest, it wasn't until I got a little older that I I truly, to be honest, it wasn't until I fell in love with that Dark Side of the Moon album that I completely changed my perspective on creating music and creating albums and a whole. As I felt that, oh man, bringing back that experience is important. It's
6: hard to follow. You just, okay. <laughs> Wait, I think I know the question. I just want to make music and art that I'm proud of. That's it. Just period. I hear, I can name Caught Out There by Khalees. I love that song. I wish I made it. If I can make a song and be like so proud of it that I can't believe that I made it. I'm good. I'm still, the deal is done. That's all I need. I just want to be proud of my own art.
4: Hell yeah. That too. I used to, no, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I used to, I'm going to tell you. I used to. Y'all, this is a true thing, right? I never would go outside. I never went to any events. I've never been to a fashion show. I never did any Paris Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, and I'll tell you why. Because I would always go to events where I'd go out, and people would say to me, oh, man, Yachty, man, I love your music, bro. And I should be like, what song? Because I I didn't even, at the time, I didn't love my music. So I'm like, how you, so I stopped going out. I never went out because I was, oh, I would feel like I'm in a room with all these artists, and they all respect each other, and I feel like no one respects me because I don't have a catalog. That, that's maybe up to par with them. So I just stopped going out. And I was like, Man, I gotta I need to make an album that I respect and that people respect and that I'm proud of and I can really hold my nuts. You know what I'm saying? Really be like, Yeah, I made this shit. I can go in any room and Hey yeah, what's up, how y'all doing? And they say, Man, I love what you did. I'm like, I know you know what i'm saying because i do too you know what i'm saying and, and know it and really understand it and know they not just saying some shit and people say some shit they would be like oh man yeah i fuck with your shit you don't fuck with my shit you just know who i am you know what i'm saying to be real but i hated that feeling i wanted to feel like nah i'm doing some i'm con- contributing some good shit to the world good art that was my switch it all hit me at the same time but yeah
0: where do you think hip-hop is right now looking at this love that you two
4: share
6: it's very diverse. You can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. It's just freedom.
0: That
4: shit sucks.
0: No. Okay, let's dispel this. Man,
4: no, hold let's on. Let's talk about it. it. Let's talk about it. How the it. place that hip-hop is in right now is a terrible place. What, what are we talking okay, about? But
0: you're looking at it glass half
4: empty. No, hip-hop is hip-hop. But you asked me, no. where is hip-hop right now? In the state of hip-hop right now, is a lot of imitation. It's a lot of quick, low-quality music being put out. It's a lot of trendy you know what I'm saying it's it's, it's a lot less risk taking it's a lot less originality you know what I'm saying it's it's a lot less people taking risk it's so safe I'd rather take the risk and take the L I love that
0: always but I think there are people doing that I think you're
4: doing that Yeah as a whole is you can you, you just name two people you tell us about Who's the, exciting. The, the artists who are, are who are really pushing the culture and trying to be original and really trying to take risk Without naming Tyler.
0: Honestly, one of my favorites is Jid right now.
4: I love Jid. I love Jid. I, I don't know. Jid is oh. such a beautiful person. He is such a, he got the spirit of a real Atlanta Negro. True. And, yes. and he is such a good, kind person. And he was one of, I don't know, he just always embraced me with like open arms. I, I got nothing but respect for Jid. And he's, I've never heard a bad verse from Jid ever.
6: Cool.
4: I want to talk about being a woman in hip-hop. Okay. And not only being a a woman in hip-hop, you're a dark-skinned woman in hip-hop. And praise to that. But I just want to talk about what comes with that. I I was on a plane coming this morning. I was just thinking about, I feel like being a dark-skinned woman in hip-hop, it it gives you certain obstacles that I think if you as, like, light-skinned, Where's your standpoint on it? Do you feel as if niggas be playing with you? Do you feel like... Do you feel as if... Nobody...
6: Everybody knows I can out-rap almost everybody. No, no, but I know... Everybody knows that.
4: Of course, but... but It's hard for
6: me not to hold the mic like I'm ready to rap. I'm ready to... Yo, what's up, y'all? I'm ready to... Yo, check the rhyme. But I'm trying to be a lady and be like, yeah.
4: But unfortunately, do you... Unfortunately, don't... Do you feel like a lot of the artists in hip-hop nowadays. I feel like sometimes it's not even about talent. It's not even about skill. That's true. Because it's a hundred percent. I don't know who I, what woman could rap better. I don't, I personally don't know one that could rap better than you, but it seems like yeah, I'm saying rap better than her. I don't know one who can, but yeah, exactly. But with that, do you ever feel like something ain't adding up? Cause I do. Sometimes,
6: but not for the most part. I think sometimes people force that on me. Like that question that you did, hmm. I get asked that often. And um, baby, the people love me. The brands, they yeah. I'll be on everything. Yeah. Listen. That's good. They love whack, So I'm following your footsteps. Yeah. You were one of the first rappers, especially what was that? What what uh year double XL was that? Twenty
4: sixteen.
6: Twenty sixteen. You've got good memory. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, you were <laughs> one of the you were one of the rap you were the best rapper on that cover if i'm being all the way honest you were able to keep a clean image you weren't really promoting drugs or violence or any any of that you were literally my twin and i'm doing the same thing as yeah. you and i think that's why we're here it all it just all makes sense i'm just being true to myself and i think the people who accept me and respect me like we we, we just
4: i don't know it just works do you think not doing that like not talking about those things makes it like harder like, for me, I am Talking about... I don't... Come on. If
6: but I... But God, I'm only
4: asking because for me and my career, when I was younger, right, when I was 18 and 19...
6: The, my The people that I looked up to growing up, my mom is a really strong, independent woman. She's black, of course. Black, strong, independent woman. Yeah. She worked hard. She wasn't a slut she wasn't selling her body showing her body i had a perfect role model you know what i'm saying and then musically lauren hill was my everything i'm just following the people i look up to that's it what
4: i was trying to say to you is that when i was 18 years old right and
6: it's like yesterday
4: <laughs> 26 six. Tw- eight years ago almost almost eight years ago okay it's been a long time I'm still here by the way yeah exactly they said i had one song when i was younger and coming up the class i had glorified Drugs, face tats, fucking, I mean, everything under the book, you know what I'm saying? And and what I learned as I got older is that my fan base, I'm grateful for my fan base I have. It's, it's a huge fan base and the love is real. But I always realized that I never had the fan base of certain peers because I didn't glorify negativity. I didn't glorify just things that I didn't stand by. And so I was asked, what I was just trying to see is if you felt like that was something you, because you don't like glorify like shaking big booty but but I mean, i'm like, saying do you see, see any did you too see any of those challenges or are you like nah not really
6: no if i'm just being myself and following my own path i can't see anything else mm. i'm just focused on me and having fun and being myself
4: Yeah, i love it i'm just asking
6: and let me ju- just justify my mom is a very respectable woman i love her so much she's my everything she's my hero all i'm saying is i had a great role model growing up and that's why i'm on this straight path
4: it's so crazy, though. I feel like a lot of artists have great role models just because That's like. not true. Not all of them, but I feel like I guarantee you there's a lot of artists that make crazy songs that have good role models. By the way, I was snubbed on a Grammy nomination today. The fuck is y'all clapping for? Let's talk boy. about, I about I was it. was snubbed. The fuck? Fuck y'all. I was it's snubbed. True. Y'all supposed to boo. It's true. <laughs> exactly. Boo. boo. Yeah, man, I'm okay, smoking well, i smoking on angel dust. Oh? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I I, I think we talked about it, but I was just going to talk about not getting the credit that we deserve. Yes, because I just think you are. I was going to say it's the best.
6: You see how he's sharing his platform with me. I love that. People don't do that anymore. I really appreciate it.
4: Why are you holding the mic with two hands? Just
6: I don't know. I just I need like a mic stand and just I want to just start singing. I can see it in your eyes. You're angry. You will never find. so,
4: so, So where are you? in? What's the word? Where are you in life right now?
6: I'm really excited and happy. I just dropped a new song. What was that and video? I'm proud of it. Um, First time in how long? It's been a while. It's been a long time. Okay, yeah. I don't know how long. It's been a few years though. Yeah. But it's a badass video. One take. I went through a car wash. Like I actually went through a car wash, and I was so afraid. I had anxiety. I almost. I was like, I don't. Th- I don't know if I can do this, but I did it. My crew was like, Yo, you're the baddest woman we know, and I did it. And I'm so happy. And you guys should go watch it if you haven't already. And I love you so much.
1: So that was Lil Yachty with Tierra Wack. And now you'll be hearing Snoop Dogg and Lotto as moderated by staff writer Andre G.
5: First time me and Rolling Stones had an encounter. It was Jimmy Iovine that was getting at me and Dr. Dre about being on the cover, right? So at the time... I'm a hip hop artist. So I'm gangster with this shit. I'm like, man, fuck the Rolling Stones. Nigga, I want to be on the motherfucking Source Magazine. <laughs> and Jimmy was like, no, you just don't understand that the Rolling Stones is just biggest shit ever. Mm-hmm. You guys are like Keith and Mick. <laughs> i like, who the fuck is Keith and Mick, nigga? So I end up doing this shit, right? So the day I do it, put my shit in some pigtails, like on some stupid gangster shit. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, since y'all want me on the cup, I'm going to be a real nigga on the cup. Pigtails, G shit, take a little quick little picture. When that shit come out, a week later, my record sold a million more fucking copies.
7: No cap, he just told me this. Story. To a whole
5: different demographic. I had to go tell Jimmy Iovine, I'm sorry. What other cover would you like for me to tell Yep,
7: you? no cap, because we come from a different world. And now you got my mama, white lady from Ohio. That's my celebrity crush.
5: That's
7: what the Rolling Stones did. No cap. Sure she didn't discover me in no
5: motherfucking swords. No cap. I want to tell you
7: how I discovered you. me. I told you this off camera, but you my mama's biggest celebrity, not even biggest, only celebrity crush since a kid. So I got put on to you as like my mama's celebrity crush. And then I'm like, wait, hold on. This a whole ass legend. Wait, hold on. Mom. What you know?
5: I <laughs> going uh, mama put you up on the dog. You
7: feel me? Mama put me up on it. For That's sure. That's gangster shit right Mama then. put me up you on You got
5: to love it. Shout out to Misty.
7: Yeah, man. Misty. Misty. You know, you know and then is. my daddy was like, hold on, let me put you down. My daddy like a hip hop head. Right. And he loved, oddly enough, he loved West Coast. He from Ohio, so maybe like midwest. That's midwest yeah. yeah, West Coast. They be like But Imagine. yeah, he put me down.
5: So he listened to it too?
7: Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's your
5: shit. So you mm-hmm. was grown You in, in this
7: Q, um A part them like his like Yeah. The goats. Mm, nice. His goats for sure. Them his goats. That's so how I got put on. Them.
5: I got put up on you. Yeah. It was Greg Street.
7: Greg, but, that's my so dog.
5: I had heard. It's six o'clock. Yeah. It's time exactly, for Greg exactly, Street to exactly. rock. Exactly. <laughs> and Greg Street was like, he was like, man, I've been knowing her since she was a little kid. She performed yeah. in talent shows. And he like, man, she been a star. Mm-hmm. And so I started discovering your music and I was like, I like your style. I, like, I
7: appreciate it. I like
5: your approach. Just I, like that mm-hmm. shit is flying. When you tell me your dad and your mama <laughs> raised you on this shit, I mean, it's.
7: Yeah, you feel me?
5: It's not on you, it's in you.
7: It's in me. Straight Straight it's in, it's in sure. your DNA. It's in my DNA. Say that. My favorite things is like full circle moments like this, mm-hmm. like me being able to reconnect stuff to my childhood right. and make me feel like accomplished and then being able to spoil my
5: family. That's, yeah. Well, let sure. me give you one of my secrets. One of my secrets said, <laughs> I remain the biggest kid in the room at all times.
7: You know what you was telling me before the camera was on? You was like, have fun, just have fun.
5: That's the kid in you. Cause the kid in you can't believe that, look at where you at, look at oh, what God. you're doing. So continue to be that kid so you can keep making it about fun.
7: Yeah. And somebody told me, it was like, whenever you're not having fun no more, stop it. You got to figure out what's stopping your fun. Stop it, take a chill break, and figure out what you got to change because you're supposed to have fun. we blessed to be able to do a job that's like fun. I'm feeding my family off of like having fun.
5: It's two funds that's the most important funds in the world. Funds that you make off of the fun that you have.
7: Yeah, uh, yeah,
5: fun you know
7: <laughs> if you could go back and change anything that you did what would you change
5: honestly i've been asked that question probably about 50 times and the answer is always the same What's i the wouldn't same? change a motherfucking thing. really i love it the way it is yeah
7: the good times cuz it's the bad all about times, a you Your all story. that
5: shit it made me who i am it mm-hmm. sculpted me to the man that I became. You know?
7: See, I'm in my head. I'm like, oh, I wish I would've did this. I wish I would've... I need to like more just bask in the moment and just appreciate You you get what that. you
5: got. You didn't get what you got with that attitude.
7: Like, the, once you hit a new level, it just be new level, new devil.
5: I say it to you like this. If yeah. you're doing what you're supposed to do, niggas supposed to hate. Yeah. That's just come with the territory. And mm-hmm. when you ain't doing shit... You have nothing to hate on. Mm-hmm. But the hate should inspire you to do great. Yeah, it mean, you're doing time. something. Yeah, and the only way you could beat hate is with love. Mm-hmm. Match their energy and try to, I'm going to hate you back. No, I'm going to show you some love. I'm going to show you how I mm-hmm. do what I do. That's how I've been able to prevail for 30 years yeah. in this music industry. Because yeah. the times where I've been approached with hate and negativity, Yeah. sometimes I dealt with it on some gangster shit. Uh-huh. And sometimes and sometimes I you got to do what you, you. got to do. Yeah, I was up with it a couple of times. But the business was more important it Yeah. But nowadays, it's more like talent isn't involved anymore. Mm They're moving talent out the way because it's overnight successes that they can make. Mm -hmm. That's why when you really do have talent, you should Mm -hmm. hone your talent. You should be great. You should study the greats before you Mm -hmm. to see how you can stay here for a long Mm -hmm. time. Because you've been around for a while before Mm -hmm. you was making records. Mm -hmm. What happened to your favorite rappers in the 90s? How you know that? What happened to your favorite rappers in the 90s? Where they at? Most of them, I'm probably the only one that's still around. Yeah. But I'm saying it's because of the things that they did or the business opportunities that they didn't capitalize. Mm. So you got to be a smarter business woman Mm -hmm. and say, okay, the women are winning right now in the music Mm -hmm. industry. This is a first Mm -hmm. for the women to be the foreground.
7: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. Like, how you feel about that? Because I know that wasn't the same thing. My era is females is... The
5: first era to actually dominate... Be in my wrong? Yeah, right. You're correct, but to me, it's you guys have to understand that Here's where the, the bullshit comes in. Mm-hmm. they going to make y'all fight each other now because that's what they made us do. Mm-hmm. They didn't want us to join hands and say, hey, East Coast, West Coast, mm-hmm. down South. It's mother, too powerful. I love your music. You from the South. I don't give a fuck if I ain't from there. I love your Mm-mm. shit. Well, I got to hate you because you from mm-hmm. down here. That's what they'll put into y'all Kool-Aid. And
7: we fight for it. We fought for it. We fought for the trap. I ain't and Somebody
5: got to be sharp enough to say, you know what? It's a business. People
7: don't know that. It's not like a trend for me. I ain't just, like, oh, I want to wake up and rap. I've been rapping since I was eight years old. Like, full blown, like getting picked up from school, doing my homework in the studio lobby, passing out mistakes, like, getting fired out like, finesse with me and pops. It's really like a, a growing process for me. So, like, right now, I'm in a mode where I got the the mic in the in the room, not in the booth. I got it in like the room. With everybody. Yeah. yeah, with everybody. I want to be with everybody. I'm like, y'all fuck with that? If I say this, you know what that mean? Like, I might FaceTime my sister. Say this do you get what I'm saying so I'm in like a very like I'm taking opinions and I want to just go in there and have fun like I be sitting right there talking drinking smoking and I just hit the mic like just step right to the mic and just let yeah. it all out right there I be going through my little motions though how you be
5: when I started we didn't have no studio. We had fucking rooms. Yeah. Whoever had a closet.
7: Uh-huh. Oh, God. That's... I, my first recording experience was in a closet. I was yeah, recording yeah, the my daddy ponded closet. The closet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God.
5: Oh, God. So I've learned to, to, to adapt to any environment. So, like, mm-hmm. let me give you this, for example. At my studio, mm-hmm. I got a room called the Mothership. It's like a spaceship.
7: Okay. I like
5: it real dark and moody. But when I go work with Dr. Dre, yeah. this nigga got a microphone right here Uh everybody in here yeah like you just said i want to be challenged Mm because i've done so much yeah and i've you know recreated myself so many different times Mm,
7: that you have
5: yes what challenge Am I up to yep. it now to mm-hmm. produce me, mm-hmm. make me better? Mm-hmm. To where I don't have to think of everything or say everything, but just sit back and let you produce me.
7: Yeah, I'm getting into that now too. I'm like building my little team, my comfort zone, like people who bring out the best work of me. Mm. Yeah.
5: Your inner circle, you're supposed to always have people around you better than you.
7: Man, what? That
5: way you can continue to get better.
7: I'm learning the importance of that now too. And every,
5: everybody's feel they should be the best. I seen your GLAB squad. Let me get them a shout out. Got your shit on. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of the steps.
7: Mm-hmm. to
5: being a superstar.
7: You gotta let me know what your favorite memories is or like your best, just experience like with your first, around, around your first breakout, first album, first show, first everything. I
5: had just did The, the Chronic with Dr. Dre, right? Mm-hmm. So that was his record, but it was like the biggest record in the world. Yeah. So everybody was waiting on my shit. So for me to be able to go to the studio and do it, and then he brought LL Cool J in mm-hmm. one day to hear one of the songs. And it fucked me up because I was like, LL Cool J is the greatest motherfucking rapper in the world. Yeah. He out here listening to my shit yeah. and he liked it. Mm-hmm. So that was like a, a moment for me. And then just being able to like have my own record. As a kid, I dreamed of having a fucking record with me on it from mm-hmm. top to bottom, doing the skits, the rapping, mm-hmm. the talking, this. And just to be able to do it with my family, I had cousins, I had my homeboys, I had Dr. Dre, I had my best friends. It was just the best feeling the in the world, the niggas around. that I started with, that mm-hmm. when I didn't know how to rap good. I started off as a songwriter. For real? Yeah, writing for Dr. Dre and writing for myself mm-hmm. on the Chronic album. Uh, Deep Cover was the first song that I wrote. And then G-Thing, Dre Day, and all and that. No, but it know. was like being a writer first. Mm-hmm. I want you to win. You to star. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, shit, it's your turn for your album. Mm-hmm. So it immediately turned for me writing for someone else. So I got to write for myself better than I wrote for him mm-hmm. but the level that I wrote for him is so fucking high I'm gonna really have to do what Bad I do
7: the yeah
5: I went on a mission like what kind of songs have never been written before what kind of songs in hip-hop have never been remade I was the first mm-hmm. rapper to actually remake another rapper's song. Mm-hmm. Lottie Dottie
1: like mm-hmm. Rick and
5: Fresh Remade that, put that on my record. Then Dr. Dre was bringing in instrumentation. It was a lot, like I listen to 70s music. So I'm like, I want funk in my shit. And I yeah. love players and pimp movies.
7: Yeah. So I
5: want all of that shit in my shit. And it was all a part of me. I have to write this so you can see what I want, projected. Mm-hmm. So give me your first album.
7: Okay, my first album. My first album was me. I'm not gonna lie, it was a little different for me. I'm like, I'm what, 20, 21 maybe? Figuring it out, like I'm like, okay, boom, just signed my first major deal in the midst of pandemic and stuff, too. Mm. So that was like crazy. I'm recording a debut album and the studio saying, oh, only two people can be in the room. And I'm like, shit, that's me and a producer. What about my yeah, sister, my, my, my people, energy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So in the midst of all that, choosing beats without the producers being there because it ain't enough room, capacity, they like tripping whatever. It was fun, but it was a lot of restrictions. Beauty in the process, I guess. I'm learning like the importance of energy and just feeling like you that girl. So when you get in that booth, the confidence is just breathing through the it. mute man. We what we can hear,
5: it. we can feel it. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to feel how confident is
7: mm-hmm. when you speak. Real shit. You got one favorite studio session?
5: One that stood out to me is when me Pharrell and Stevie Wonder was in the studio.
7: And, uh, I ain't met Stevie, but I met P and he pee.
5: Oh, you know I smoke. How we smoke? Yeah, we smoking. We in a little ass room. Mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder come. Pharrell sitting next to me. He just he, he didn't got high. He got a secondhand smoke. Yeah. Now Stevie in the booth. So he in there. I'm like, whoa. And Pharrell ain't saying shit. Yeah. So Stevie and that motherfucker like trying to figure out what to do. So yeah. I'm like, Pharrell, produce this nigga. And he, yeah. I'm like, nigga, produce this nigga. This nigga so high. He <laughs> leaves Stevie what to do and don't give him no direction. And stuck. I'm trying to tell Stevie what to do. I don't know He's what to I
7: don't know what the do. fuck I'm doing.
5: I told him, nigga, just play anything.
7: Yeah. When
5: we finish, Pharrell took all of the good shit that he played, Mm. harmonica, singing Mm -hmm. and shit. And it ended up working. But it was like funny to me that this nigga been around me this long. Yeah. Today he finally gets so high. He done done left. They left a nigga in there where he had to walk out by himself. Stop
7: playing. Stop playing. That's what's up. Y'all ain't had no camera in there. Hell Oh man, y'all supposed to have a camera. Yeah oh lord p player i had i did a session a week of sessions with him in miami and i just kept telling him like what made you want to fuck with me i got the call you want me to come to miami and work with you but like why me and he was just like i fuck with you like i love meeting like what y'all don't know is someone new stepping into the scene it feels it's like it's indescribable, indescribable, whatever the word is, to be embraced by people who have already made it in your lane, like people who you aspire to be like.
5: So, you know it is that the same way you feel about us. It's I came, vice versa. Yeah, when I, came yeah. In, when I came in, it was people like James Brown, Ron Iyden, mm-hmm. Roger Troutman. These are people that... Embrace me, George mm-hmm. Clinton, Bootsy Collins. Mm-hmm. They like embrace me mm-hmm. the way we embracing mm-hmm. you. And it was strange to me because it's like I grew up off of that music. Man, what? I'm trying to beat him, and then all of a sudden they know who I am.
7: Yeah. Like that be like a me. real full circle moment. Like mind blowing where you got to like damn near pinch yourself. Like it is really happening.
5: Look, I sat down with James Brown for about three hours. Right? Crazy. So James Brown is telling me, this is like maybe 20 years ago. He telling me Snoopy you gonna be the hardest working man in show business. You gonna be this, you gonna, to... he just telling me all this shit and mm-hmm. I'm listening to The most important shit he said to me was he said, Snoopy, your hair is your scrap. Yeah. Whatever you, don't you ever cut your hair. Yeah, that's you. This is what James, huh? he telling me, as long as your hair grow, as long as you gonna be in this game. Yeah. But he telling me this shit, I'm listening to him talking, I can't figure it out. Yeah. While he's saying it, but as he passed away, And I see me become the hardest working man in the show business and doing all the great things that he said I would be doing with the kids, with positive Mm -hmm. work, creating opportunities, branding, marketing, all this Mm -hmm. shit that he said. It's like I was touched Mm -hmm. because he embraced me, just Mm -hmm. like I'm embracing you. Mm -hmm. And not just
7: me, like I be seeing you embrace people and that shit mean the world to us. Like when you coming in, especially like now it don't be, at least from my perspective, it don't be the same. Like where everybody just like open arms. So that type shit, that be real motivation to come into somebody else's world. And they like, yeah, you doing your thing, I know you. Motherfucker be acting like they don't know who you is or they don't know your song whatever. That shit alone, you singing my song, Rock my world.
5: But that's what you did. You put that work in. You mm-hmm. made it that good to where I had to check. Most and one day, good.
7: one day, I'm, I hope to have longevity like <laughs> you.
5: Hey, your hair growing.
7: Hey, baby, and yeah. I ain't coming. Yeah, I ain't coming. Let to. it ride. <laughs> Let it, Let it
1: Drop that <laughs> And that's our show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, subscribe to Rolling Stone Music now, wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.